It's a postmodern deconstruction. Oh, quite. I disagree. I see it more as a meta-analysis of postmodernity with irony as the vehicle. <laughs> Indubitably. Shut up. Ain't that swell presents Arts Review. Why Brian Jonestown Massacre are the epitome of the American sickness. I was looking this way and threw it at the back of my head. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, hey, I don't care about your love. Evidently your love sucks. I was looking this way and somebody threw drinks on me. You think it's a joke? Now, you gotta pick that motherfucker up and drag him outside. Because we're not playing. I will sit here. That's the sound of Brian Jonestown Massacre mastermind Anton Newcomb after being pelted with a cup full of beer during last Friday's show at the Northern in Byron Bay. It was the first of many hurled in his direction, and to be honest, the airborne schooner couldn't have come sooner. The former heroin abuser turned shameless, sloppy pisshead had opened the show, breaking a string on the very first note before unleashing the first of a dozen or more inexplicable, expletive-laden tirades at the audience. When the crowd fired back, he claimed he was autistic between slurps on Grey Goose Vodka. The sold-out crowd of mostly working-class people, all of whom had forked out an exorbitant $100 in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis to be here, watched on with jaws agape, before someone finally snapped. The man who snapped first, snapped best, dousing Anton and the tambourine player with every last drop of his $9 beer. High on acid, I'd watched with immense joy and satisfaction as the beverage, illuminated by the stage lighting, split mid-air into a million tiny particles and drenched the pair of ageing hipsters. This wasn't my first rodeo. I'd seen Brian Jonestown Massacre six or seven times previous over a period of 13 years, during which time I can only assume Anton was sober because I don't recall ever seeing them like this. In fact, their shows were among the most cherished musical experiences of my life, and in the lead-up to the gig, I'd reflected on how much I loved their shows for bringing me and my mates together in a reunion of sorts. Among the most memorable shows I'd seen, two at the Metro in Sydney spring to mind. The first, with the Ravenettes' support, was ostensibly a celebration of the release of the album Alf Eben, recorded in Berlin. It was an incredible album, an incredible experience, and the band seemed genuinely invested in doing their best to showcase the work of art they'd just produced. The other gig that stands out took place the night after the Bataclan attacks in Paris, in which 90 people were gunned down by Islamic terrorists at an Eagles of Death Metal show. On that night, I was forced to come to terms with the fact that I was ready to die to see this band. It was either that or stay at home and give up my ticket out of fear, such as the mental residue left behind by random terrorist attacks at music concerts. But I went and it was mad. 
Tonight was also mad, but in a different way. Anton's inability to read the room might well have been a symptom of what he claims is autism. It could also be the result of decades of substance abuse, poor choices, ill-discipline, no structure, and a generally weak-willed existence that prefers drugs and alcohol over any serious self-care. Maybe it was a lifetime spent surrounded by sycophantic acolytes blow-darting smoke up his ass and enabling his bullshit behaviour under the guise of tortured genius. It didn't really matter, for in this country, there is a golden rule, and every performer that's come out of here knows it. You do not insult a room full of workers after knockoff on a Friday night. That is a recipe for disaster, and that is exactly what we got. Growing up in Australia, you don't have a cultural frame of reference for people like Anton. Whatever is in him gets punched or ridiculed out of you long before you reach maturity, regardless of what talents you possess. As a man from the bottom end of the working class, who grew up immersed in the various combat sports typical of this nation, football, boxing, petty thuggery, etc., the experience of copying spray after spray from an aging heroin-chic hipster between sips of a cocktail was a triggering experience that pushed my coping mechanisms to breaking point. I'm not a violent man anymore due to the daily ritual of breathwork, ice baths, meditation and exercise, but on this night, every cell in my body was screaming at me to climb up on stage and knock this cunt out. As the band fumbled with guitars and guitar strings between each song, minutes ticked by, interspersed by Anton's bizarre verbal abuse directed at us. And I got to thinking about some of the nuances between Australian and American culture. I thought of the music we've produced. ACDC, Jimmy Barnes, Midnight Oil, The Warumpi Band, King Stingray, The Saints, Radio Birdman. Bands from working and welfare class stock who understood the cultural mores of this convict settler colony and represented us abroad with a plume. Then I'd snap out of it. And look at Anton, decrepit, disfigured, a few strands of hair away from a hipster golem in a cowboy hat. What a fucking blight he was. A mentally ill, drug-abusing, self-indulgent, hipster wanker. Please, someone knock this cunt out, my old self was screaming. I thought about the diggers in World War II and the immortal piece of rhyming slang that summed up people like Anton best. The septic tank, the yank, full of fucking shit. How right they were. Not all, mind you. Some of my best mates and the people I admire most in this world are and were from the land of stars and bars. But even they'll tell you their country and their culture is deeply sick. Anton Newcomb and the Brian Jonestown Massacre are the epitome of this sickness. Only in a country like America can a man like Anton reach maturity. A country where fists have been replaced by guns and a clip around the ear or a tap on the jaw by lawsuits. A country where the weakest cunt can walk into a Walmart, buy a machine gun and blow you, your primary school or your high school away. 
a country that genuinely believes it is the greatest nation on earth, while at the same time putting away more pharmaceutical drugs for more mental illness than anywhere on the planet. A country that gave us the military-industrial complex, the prison-industrial complex, the pharmaceutical-industrial complex, and Wall Street. A place where the worship of power, stubbornness, and the dick-brained male ego is both unrepentant and unprecedented. Grab him by the pussy. Grab him by the pussy. Grab him by the pussy. A country whose greatest contributions to history will be remembered as war, moronic levels of greed, and a common opulence among the rich and famous that will send you mad and literally fucking kill you. Just ask Matthew Perry, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Mac Miller, Elvis Presley, Prince, Chris Farley, John Belushi, or Tom Petty. Will Anton, you can be the next to join that list? We can only hope. For as it stands, he is travelling the world, spreading this sickness everywhere he goes. Spend two hours in a room with him and his acolytes, and it is impossible not to be infected. It's true that no one was holding a gun to our heads. We could have left. We didn't need to be there. But fuck, I'd forked out serious dosh to be here. And in between the rants and Anton running off stage to take a piss and the minutes that elapsed between each song as they fucked around with guitars and shit, there were glimmers of what Brian Jonestown Massacre once were. A decent psych rock band. As the gig ground on, Anton started on his band, yelling at members to face the front and go slower mid-track. Moments later, he'd be up close with the guitarist or drummer looking to jam and generate energy, and they would oblige. They had to. Anton is the star of this show. He's written most, if not all, of their songs, 150 of them in the space of 15 years. Over the course of the band's history, he's also chewed through an unbelievable 40 members. A fact everyone sharing the stage with him would be aware of. One bung note and any one of them could have been sent packing at any moment. Talk about job insecurity. Another famously American creation. Could you think of a worse gig than relying on a drug and alcohol ravaged narcissist for a living? Rather than down tools and walk out on this cunt like any self-respecting workforce in this country would do, they did the opposite, rallying around the gronk as the sky began to fill with cups of beer. How dare you throw beer over me? I live here! I'll see y'all at the pass, said the fill-in tambourine man. The original tambourine man, Joel Guyon, one of the longest surviving members of Brian Jonestown Massacre, had returned to his home in the US on the eve of the gig, citing a so-called family emergency. Now, a North Coast hipster transplant was making veiled threats against the community he'd just moved into. Later, when another projectile was hurled at the band, maybe the fourth or fifth beer of the night, the guitarist, in his virtue-signalling Ram Das era shirt and beads, 
took off his instrument and ran to the front of stage, shaping up as if he was going to wade into the audience and start throwing punches. Can you imagine what this cunt thought he was going to do? Manhandle a crowd full of surly tradesmen and workers on a Friday night? Now that would have been theatre. One more! One more! One more! Go on, give him another! Watching these dismal fucks blabber on about respect and humility while pissing over everything this country stands for caused me to reflect on some of the culture-preserving aspects that prevent people like this ever existing here. Namely, the tall poppy syndrome, which guarantees noxious weeds like this get cut down way before they become the bulbous, big-headed variety swaying dangerously in the breeze as they threaten to explode their muck all over the joint. We ain't much, but we ain't that. And for that, we owe ourselves a pat on the back. What a treat it is never to have to suffer a microphone in the hands of an Anton again. Eventually I'd had enough and started hurling abuse in the horse baritone honed over hundreds of games of football. Play some fucking music, you grubs! Shut the fuck up! Play some music! Just then, one of Anton's acolytes, a middle-class, arts-class type, piped up behind me, telling me to shut up before throwing an ice cube at the back of my head. Thankfully, it was a woman, which morally prevented me from exercising my right to self-defense and beating the shit out of her. I tried reason instead, pointing out all the tension and division this band was creating among us fans. The atmosphere had grown increasingly volatile over the past hour. Anton's sycophantic acolytes were turning on the cunts who were turning on him. It was a bad scene. Ice Cube's boyfriend, a local plumber who happened to be a listener of this podcast, made the salient point that I was hardly doing my part to reduce tension by screaming at the cunt on stage. And in some ways he was right. I had lost track of my meditation-induced higher self in this massacre of dignity and human decency and regressed to the young hoodlum who flogged cunts over the drop of a hat. On the other hand, live performances are a two-way street. If you want to stand up there and hurl unprovoked insults, expect to cop them in return. I paid my money. I get to have my say too. It wasn't that long ago theatre-goers would peg rotten fruit at shithouse acts like the Brian Jonestown massacre. Bring it back, I say. Keep these grubs on their toes and earning their keep. During and after the show, I met several listeners of this podcast. Decent, semi-degenerate working class men, the lot of them. In fact, I'd performed in this very venue, in the very spot Anton was standing in right now. But our styles and intentions couldn't be more contrasting. I do what I do wholly for the enjoyment of the working public. I'm no artist, a bullshit artist maybe, but I see it as my job to sacrifice my self-respect and dignity for the sake of service to the people and shameless shenanigans. I generally hate being on stage. I find it stressful beyond belief, but I want to give the people a show and share some of the insane off-the-record surf tales we're privy to in our trade. And people love me for it, despite my many 
and obvious faults. Because ultimately, I'm trying to be a good cunt. Well, this cunt wasn't even trying. And for that, I wanted to punch his fucking head in. Yes, Smeevy, up the swellions. A couple of brothers said to me after the show outside the pub. Hey, up the swellions, I replied, adding, so many swellions here, and yet none of us knocked him out. Lead the way, Smeevy, they laughed. Well, I got my chance moments later when we stumbled upon the band in an alleyway behind the venue. These rancid hipster charlatans swinging in psychedelic Eastern-infused fashion stylings in a vain attempt to signal how alt-dot they were. To close out the show, the band had left the stage while Anton created a deafening high-pitched noise with one of his instruments in what amounted to a legitimate form of sonic torture. Dozens of fans had remained in the venue watching this perverse act of hatred towards his own acolytes. And now... There he was, buckled in the gutter, surrounded by saggy middle-aged fangirls blowing smoke up his date. Now was my moment to get a bit back for the people, to bait the cunt into putting a hand on me so I could legally decimate him. But I thought better of it. My central nervous system was fizzing with enough cortisol for the night. I'd come this far with a clean sheet and I wasn't going to piss it up the wall for Anton. Better to burn home and lung one. Arts Review.